Hey everybody, listen, I am so thrilled that your local church is partnering with us as part of our 2018 simulcast on September 15th. Listen, there's nothing all year long that we believe God more for, more fervently than we do for this simulcast gathering. This is the big date on our calendar. And with everything we've got, we believe him to come with transforming power, with such affection and Praise God with our adoration of Him, creating an atmosphere where He can do absolutely anything He pleases. I want so much to see Him do that with you, and I want to be with you that day so that we can get in God's Word together and worship Him with all of our hearts. I'm so, so glad that your local church is offering this opportunity, and I'm so thankful to invite you to be part of it. Come, we're going to have such a good time. Good morning. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. Uh, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen. All right, that was a short one. <laughs> Shorter than usual, I know, but uh, you may be seated. Welcome again to Broadway Baptist Church. We're so glad that you've come here to worship. Uh, it's good for me to be back uh, this morning, a couple Sundays away after having the baby boy. He is not here this morning. Um, uh, we're still adjusting and figuring some of those things out, but uh, I want to thank the church so much. Uh, I may, I think I've thanked you all before, but You've been so generous, so kind. We've had a lot of help. There's been meals and just so much uh, that you guys have done for us. So we are so grateful uh, and, and thankful for everything you've done. And uh, it's a, a very exciting time. So uh, we're very thankful and uh, it's good to be back this Sunday. Um, I know there's a lot in your bulletin. Check, check out the things going on there. We've got Awana starting up soon. Uh, the youth back to school next Sunday. Uh, next Sunday evening, we're going to Malibu Jack's. Uh, so get with me if you need more information uh, on that and check out the bulletin, check out everything. If you're a visitor, thank you uh, for coming this morning. Uh, we're so glad you come to worship with us. And if you don't mind, if you are a guest, uh, there's a tear-off tab in your bulletin. Uh, fill that out. Uh, let us know that, that you came and drop it in the offering plate as it comes by. Uh, we just want to let you know that we are glad you come to worship with us. Uh, this time I'll hand it over uh, to David. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Zach. We're going to begin our service this morning singing Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Let's stand as we sing, please.
join me as we go to our Savior in prayer? <laughs> Father, what a joy again it is this day to gather with your people called Broadway Baptist Church. We've had a good Bible study hour, and now, our Father, that we can come <coughs> unites our hearts in praise and thanksgiving unto you. We ask, Lord, for a stirring and moving of your spirit among us today, realizing, our Father, that life is just a breath. And one of these days, God, we're going to stand before you, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and give an account. Help us to be found faithful. Lord, help us to have a burning compassion and concern for those people that do not have that glorious hope. And we pray, Father, that there might be a great stirring within our hearts that would lead us into the highways and into the hedges to tell people about your forgiveness, your love, your grace, and your mercy. And to realize, Father, that one of these days you're coming again as King of kings and Lord of lords. You tell us, our Father, in the writings of the Apostle Peter, that we are to look anxiously for your return. Father, thank you for that hope. Again, we ask, Lord, breathe upon us and stir us anew and afresh. In Jesus' holy name, amen. You may be seated. I am going to invite our Sunday school teachers to come forward. Uh, Y'all come up here and stand on the stage. I'll, we'll just have them all, all lined up here. If you are a Sunday school teacher, you'll want to come on up. Uh, we'll, we'll make a line. And the reason why um, school starts, Fayette County Schools begin on Wednesday. So next Sunday is our promotion Sunday. That's our when the children and teenagers, everybody moves up. And I guess adults, if they y'all want to move up as well, you move on up to your next class. But what we want to do today is we wanted to honor and recognize our Sunday school teachers. And we have a, um, a, a, a gift here we're going to give them, uh, a certificate. But then uh, afterwards, for our, all our Sunday school teachers and their families, we have an appreciation luncheon. So you're invited to, um, to the fellowship hall for Miss Darlene's food. It's our big thank you for teaching Sunday school this past year. Uh, Jim and Terry Adamson, where, where are they at? I was just talking to Jim. <laughs> so they are our Sunday school directors, so they need to certainly come forward as well. Uh, they do a wonderful job directing our Sunday school and keeping our records and uh, making sure the classes um, uh, are, um, are, are meeting uh, correctly. But I'm going to, uh, y'all come on up, Jim and Terry. I'm going to call each our Sunday school teachers' names. I'm going to hand you all their certificate, and you'll be able to hand them to the to the teachers for that. So and we'll start with our age group here, beginning with the nursery. We literally have classes from birth all the way, all the way up, uh, so as high as you want to go. So Miss Wanda Browning, and what we can do, we'll clap at the very end. So Miss Wanda Browning, she teaches in our nursery Sunday school. So 
We also have a, um, a, 12 to, a, a, a one to a three year old class, and uh, it's taught by, it was myself, but I'm moving to the 20 something class, and it was also taught with Miss Mary Carter. I wasn't going to give myself a certificate, so, Miss Mary. <laughs> We have a three-year-old through uh, preschool class, and it's taught um, by two ladies, and they do an outstanding job. In fact, uh, my whole class nearly was graduated this afternoon to, um, to their class. It's Miss Missy Graham and Miss Denise Davis. So here's Missy's, and here's Denise's. We have a kindergarten and first grade class. It is taught by Miss Ruth Lyons and Miss Millie Snyder. Wells Millies. We also have a second and third grade Sunday school class taught by Miss Karen Edmond and Miss Phyllis Alexander. So here's Karen's. Miss Phyllis's. Thank you. Our fourth and fifth grade class is taught by Miss Carol Long. So, we have a middle and high school class, and uh, this class needs more teachers. This is our, um, our youth group class, and it's taught by our minister student, Zach Bauer. And this is a class Zach and I have talked about. If you are ever, you feel called to teach Sunday school or you want to be an assistant, this is a, a wonderful opportunity to, uh, to get involved in serving. So for Zach. We have a, a college and career class. It's taught by Miss Nancy Crawford. She's in the nursery, so, so she's serving right now. So, so that y'all got that. Uh, we have a twenty-something class taught by Mr. Ray Vasky and Sherry Osmond. We have a young women's class taught by Miss Shauna Mallory. We also have a young married adults class taught by Raphael Jubilin. Y'all like can y'all see Raphael's outfit? That's sharp he's got on. That's a suit right there. <laughs> so they had a Sunday school uh, party at the park last week. I had to it was outstanding with that. All right, in our um, our co-ed classes here. We have a class that meets in the gym taught by Mr. Kevin Dye and Mike Edmond. We also have a, a co-ed class taught by Mr. Mike Davis. Okay. We have another co-ed class taught by uh, Mr. Bob Lyons. And as well as we have another um, uh, adult co-ed class taught by Mr. Todd Ott. And our class that meets in the um, choir room is taught by Rodney Welch. Now in the uh, fellowship hall we have a ladies class taught by Miss Joanna Hawthorne. One of our larger classes downstairs in Fellowship Hall is a ladies' class taught by Miss Cheryl Biddle. 
Another one of our ladies' classes there in the fellowship hall is Miss Alice McClanahan's. Our men's class, which meets right here by the elevator in room D7, is taught by Mr. Jerry Crouch. We have a class that meets about three times a year. It's our new members' class, and it's taught. Uh, um, they meet in, uh, in um, uh, downstairs in the hallway over there. Uh, it's a, new, a class for learning more about our church and a way for connecting. It's taught by Mr. Skip Stevens. <clears throat> all right, that is all of our, make sure we got everyone, that is all of our Sunday school teachers. So let's give them a wonderful applause for their service. Thank you. Y'all may be seated. Y'all, we have lunch for you at 12 o'clock, uh, and your families as well. So, yes, let me give. Well, this, these are, are for interns next. So, uh, Miss Sherry Lyons, you want to come on up? We also, uh, we're going to recognize our interns. I think we have, we have five, but we have three here today. So, um, throughout the summer, uh, folks want a break. So, uh, we, hi we hire... Um, children's ministry interns. We, I, uh, Ms. Sherry, uh, they work for Miss Sherry Lyons, our children's director here. Um, now, th three of the five, two I think are already back to school. Or anyway, so um, we'll call their name out. Even though Corinne Gall, she's not here, is she? So okay, I'll just hand. And then also um, Abigail. Abigail Whitcamp, she's not here as well. So. All right, uh, Mary Catherine, is Whitney here? Oh, <laughs> they're all on vacation, so this is, <laughs> they're getting recognized as well, so uh, this is Whitney Runyon. Okay, Mary Catherine, you're here, come on up. Haley, you're here, so we got two out of five, so we have, these are our, um, you, you might not always see them in the worship service, because they're always downstairs with the children. Whitney's here. Oh, Whitney, so, let's see, so Whitney Runyon, so Whitney, come on down, y'all come, come stand over here, they work with our children's ministry uh, throughout the summer, they start about the middle of May and go all the way up to now since school starting, uh, uh, all college students, but they have been uh, helping out with VBS, they help out with camp, they um, are uh, Wednesday nights working with Mission Friends, CIA, Sunday nights, they've been doing the zip, getting ready for Awana, so uh, they, uh, doing children's church on Sunday mornings. They've been uh, behind the scenes, very active, working with your children and grandchildren. So we uh, have a certificate as well as a gift for them. So uh, Whitney Runyon, so here you go, here, that's for Whitney. Uh, Miss, uh, and Whitney, I'll tell you, you, you go to school at uh, University of Kentucky, right? So at UK. Uh, Mary Catherine O'Neill, Mary Catherine, there you go. Mary Catherine goes to the University of South Carolina in Columbia. So she helped out with us last year. And Miss Haley Lyons, who's also at UK, and Miss Haley was also one of our interns last summer. So we had, I, they had a good experience, so two of them came back for, the, um, for next year. So let's give our children's ministry interns a wonderful applause. Thank you. Y'all may be seated.
very beautiful song called 10,000 Reasons. The tune is beautiful, and the words are too. Sing it with me. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. The
you have your Bibles, open the book of Judges, Judges chapter 4. We are going to be looking at a lady named Deborah this morning. Unfortunately, Deborah always gets relegated down to Mother's Day sermons and like women's ministry. But we're going to see here, that not at all, that's not at all about this judge here. We're going through the book of Judges, and this, is, um, this, is, uh, this entire month of August we'll be studying Judges. And next week we're going to, last week we looked at the overview of what Judges is about. Uh, today we're talking about uh, the, Deborah, one of the judges. Next week we'll be on Gideon, and then in two weeks we'll be on Samson. In many ways, each judge has less and less faith in the Lord as it goes along with that. But open your Bibles. In a minute, we're going to have a time of prayer for uh, our, our um, schools here in the area and for students uh, for, uh, for that. Fayette, while you turn there, Judges chapter 4, Fayette County schools start on Wednesday of this week, which in many ways, that's kind of just, the, I guess, the new year when school year starts. Every traffic gets bad, UK starts back. It's just everything changes. You start seeing school buses all over the place. But it's important that we recognize that schools are mission fields. Schools are opportunities for children to learn and, and grow in the Lord. It's, uh, that's, uh, sadly, it's a time that ch- you know, children start getting back involved in church. Uh, ideally, hope people are always involved, but uh, the summer's over now, so the, um, it's a time to come back to church, back to, back to school with that. But it's also a time that uh, two things are important for children. Number one, children need to be learning about, children and teenagers need to be learning about Jesus. That's the most important thing for a child. Because no matter what you teach, no matter what they learn in school, no matter what they learn in our elementary, middle, and high schools and colleges, if they don't have a relationship with the Lord, church, they're lost. They're going through life without the Lord. And there's eternal consequences for that. And secondly, when we pray here in a second, I want to pray for the safety of the children. Unfortunately, for even when I grew up, uh, we didn't have some of the violence that obviously occurs. I read the newspaper and it's talking about how children are returning to schools and there's armed guards everywhere and a metal detector. So you walk into school, um, and they're all locked. You have the guards, and they check the bags. And that's sad that that's, um, our, obviously, the world has come to that, but that is the, that's where we're at right now. So we want to pray, because I know we have a lot of teachers here in our church, as well as a lot of children, and we want to um, uh, bow and pray for this coming, upcoming school year. So let's bow our heads and pray for this upcoming, and commission the teachers and the students. Lord, we come to you this morning here on the Sunday before school starts. Lord, we pray for the elementary, middle, high school, and college students who this week will be returning to campus. Lord, we pray for the students that they will obviously be opened up their minds academically, but most importantly, Lord, through the witness of other Christians and through the witness of the teachers and through the churches that they will learn about you. Lord, that you will open up children's and college students' hearts so that they maybe are coming to Lexington for one reason, coming here for an education, but in fact, Lord, they're going to meet you, the greatest and greatest teacher and educator of all. Lord, we pray for the teachers. Uh, so many teachers are uh, getting ready, and they're um, uh, in, in d- difficult and challenging circumstances many times. Lord, we pray that the teachers will be rooted in you and that they will be a great light in pointing their children, not just to academics, but also to the Lord, you, God. Lord, we pray for the safety of the children and the teachers. We pray that our county and our community here in Kentucky, we won't experience a violence, even that is so, is so rampant all throughout America. Lord, we pray for the, um, the, the, the hearts of the children to be soft. 
Lord, the violence and shootings, it's not an answer to anything. Lord, we just pray for this upcoming school year. We pray for our uh, children's ministry here, our student ministry, our college ministry, that they are ministering to all these different ages um, that are in this community and in this church. Lord, we just bless this upcoming 2018-19 school year. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. We're about to read here in your Bible about the story of a lady named Deborah. Now, when we think of the judges, typically we think of, obviously, the most popular of all is Samson. And tragically, Samson, he was in many ways the most disobedient of the all, but, but he, um, God certainly used him. But Deborah was someone that a lot of us, uh, we might not know much about her, or you only hear about her on Mother's Day, but she is someone that I think a lot of times we overly focus on that she's a female. She is the only female judge in the Bible. Now, some of you who've studied the different kings say, Daniel, there was another lady who uh, was named um, Alith- Alathia there in 2 Kings 11.1. 1. But the difference between Alathia and Deborah is Alathia became the king because she killed all the other family members, and by default it made her the king there in 2 Kings 11, which is, well, she was just an assassin there. Deborah was called by God. God raised up. She is the only God-called judge throughout the entire uh, Bible here. And we're going to see here that uh, Israel, the whole book of Judges, is a 300-year period where Israel, they get a judge, they repent, they turn to the Lord, and they start pushing back the Canaanites and the other people groups. But then that judge dies, and they fall back into their wicked ways. So Deborah, God calls this lady to be the judge during a time of disobedience. And she uh, rallies the troops, so to speak, and they certainly turn back to the Lord. And it's an, it's an opportunity we're going to see here, uh, the importance of turning to the Lord. Next Sunday, at our church, is baptism. We've got at least two people I know who are going to be getting baptized. And some of you here at our church, even this morning, you've never received believers' baptism. We don't baptize people because we're Baptists. We baptize people because Matthew chapter 3 tells us John the Baptist went out and baptized people as they repented of their sins and turned to the Lord. That's, that's right there in the book of Matthew. Jesus also was baptized. And if Jesus got baptized, you should be willing to get baptized. I've spoken to people at our church who are not baptized. You get baptized after you get saved. We don't, you know, we don't baptize babies. First, you get saved. What that means is you trust Christ as your Savior. And when you, we have baptism next week, and it's at the very beginning of the worship service. Baptism is a picture of your old life going under your water and your new life coming up. It's an outward sign of what God is doing inside of you. If you have not received believer's baptism, you do not want to pass away and stand before the Lord and give an excuse to why you're not baptized. You do not, baptism doesn't save you, but you're doing it in obedience. Listen, if Jesus is willing to do it, you should be willing to do it. And it's something that it's, it, you're identifying, it's, you're identifying with the Christian community saying, I'm a believer. I have repented of my sins. This is my old life, and it's my new life coming up. So 
at the close of the service, if you've never received believer's baptism, well, it doesn't work. You, just don't, you don't just show up at 1045 and jump in the water. What happens is we'll have an invitation at the close of the service. You walk far and say, Pastor, I need to receive believer's baptism. I'll pray with you. I'll make sure that you've received Christ as your Savior. And then next week, you will be getting baptized. First you get saved, then you get baptized. We as a Baptist church, we should always, or a soul-winning church, we should always be baptizing folks. Uh, saved folks receive believer's baptism. I want you to be praying about that this sermon. Deborah, we're about to see here, this was a woman who is obedient to the Lord. She did what God told her to do. If God's speaking to you about getting baptized, you need to respond. Judges chapter 4. The Israelites, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, this is 23, 24 verses we're about to read, and there are some difficult and challenging words coming up. So I'm going to stop and mispronounce this stuff and try to explain it, because these are some Old Testament names, and, and it's, it's hard to follow a little bit what's going on here. So we've got evilness going on, and they're, they're being disobedient in the sight of the Lord after Ehud, who was a previous judge, he had died. So the Lord sold them to King Jabin of Canaan. The Canaanites were people, they were, they were living in the land of Canaan, and God, they were supposed to wipe them out. Well, they didn't. So they've caused problems for the Israelites. Verse 2, so all of a sudden God has sold them into slavery to King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth of the nation. So that's a very important name. Sisera, we're about to see here, he was the main military leader for the Canaanites and for this king, Jabin. He's the one who's really keeping them in slavery and bondage. He's the one that takes orders for the kings, and he goes out and executes it. Verse 3, Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord, because Jabin had 900 iron chariots, and he harshly oppressed them 20 years. That meant they were in slavery. That meant they were the Israelite people in their promised land. They were struggling. It was difficult and dark days. And look what happens. This is what God, God does. You cry out to the Lord. And the great thing about our God, if you cry out to Him, He hears your prayer. Deborah, a prophetess and the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. So God had raised up this lady named Deborah. She was the judge. She would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went to her to settle disputes. So the Israelites didn't go to the Canaanite court system. If they had a dispute or there was a problem or an interpretation, they would go to Deborah, and they would, um, Deborah would give the ruling that was needed. So she was the leader of this time. So apparently God has spoken to Deborah, and he has revealed his plan of how he's going to deliver them from bondage. <clears throat> Verse 6, She summoned Barak, some of Abinanom from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, So there's a man named Barak here, and he's an Israelite, and Deborah has summoned him in said, you know what? Hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, go deploy the troops on Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men of the uh, Naphtalites and the Zebulites. So there's this man named Barak here that God has spoken to Deborah to go to him and say, 
you know, God has spoken to me and says, you're going to be the military leader that you're going to go and set the, uh, you're going to begin the process of setting the Israelites free from slavery. And this is the way you're going to do it. Because God has actually given the plan. And apparently God had spoken to Barak as well. So he knows that here comes Deborah, uh, and we're, we're going to execute this plan to free the folks. Verse 7, here's the plan. Then I will lure Sisera, he's the evil military leader of the Canaanites, commander of Jabin's army, his chariots and his infantry of the Wadi Kishon to fight against you, and I will hand them over to you. So God has made it very clear to Deborah and Barak that this is the plan. You're going to get 10,000 troops, you're going to go here in the corner, and we're going to lure the people here. God is, of course, behind it all. He's going to bring them all up, and then we're going to attack them. And you're going to defeat the people, we're going to free the Israelites, and we're going to have peace again for more years. That's the plan that God has here for Deborah. He's revealed it through this lady. <clears throat> but look what happens here. Barak doesn't respond correctly. Verse 8, Barak said to her, If you go, if you will go with me, I'll go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Have you ever had, remember growing up and you wanted to do something, but you were scared? So you said, well, I'll go into the scary room if you come with me. What Barack just said is, I'll do it if you do it. You know, let's do it together. This is like the time we say, say we'll go to church, but I'll only go if you go. We'll go to Sunday school, and I'll only go if you go. I'll do this if you come with me. We'll teach Awanas together. You won't go by yourself. You just feel like, I'll go on a mission trip. If only, share you come. Well, you, whatever it is, that's what he just said. Church, we do this all the time. And what we're doing, what we're actually saying, is we just told God, God has told Barak, you're going to be the military leader that's going to set all the Israelites free. And I've spoken to Deborah, and I've spoken to you. I've even got the blueprint for the plan. I want you here. And Brock's answer is, I mean, it sounds good, but I'll go, Deborah, if you go. Let's do it together and be friends. And that wasn't the plan. Deborah wasn't, Deborah wasn't going to, she's the judge. She's the center of the tree and tell the people what to do. She doesn't, she's not a military battle leader. Brock's that guy. And now look at, look at God's, look at the response what Deborah says here. Verse 9. It was a powerful response. I will gladly go with you, she said, but you will receive no honor on the road you are about to take because the Lord will sell Sisera to a woman. Now this is interesting. What she just said here is, I'll go with you. Since you're a sissy and a baby, I'll go with you. And we'll go over there together since you can't do things by yourself. And I, we'll go out to bat battle because Deborah trusted the Lord. And if God spoke to this one woman and told her what to do, she was a determined soul. She's going to do it. But she says, you know what? You're going to go lead the people in battle, but you're not going to experience the victory. In fact, another woman is. So you would think, oh, that woman's going to be Deborah. But no. God's going to, in this story, God's about to raise up another woman who's actually going to kill Sisera. So we, well, the, I think the main point, of what, what does all this mean? Barak, in many ways, was disobedient. He would not follow the Lord's command. He couldn't do it alone. There's times in your life that God wants you to do something by yourself. He wants you to take that step by yourself. 
and going around leaning on other people and whining, there comes a point where you have to trust and lean upon the Lord. He's the one who you have to trust in. And Barak, at this point, he could not trust in the Lord by himself. Listen, some of you are saying, Daniel, I'll get baptized if my friend gets... No, you get saved by yourself. You get baptized by yourself. God called this one woman, Deborah, alone. God's calling Barak alone, saying, you need to do it. Our faith, our relationship with the Lord, Sherry doesn't ride my coattails to heaven. Every man, every woman stands alone before God. We give accountability ourselves. You can, your Christian life will flounder if you're thinking, I'm only going to go if I have my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my wife. You're, you will struggle. That's what happened here. And Deborah said, I'll go with you, but you will not experience the victory. In fact, I'm going to give it to another woman. We don't even know who this woman is yet, but someone else is going to get the glory, Brack, because you are, you're a sissy and you can't do it by yourself. God's raising up a leader's of folks, of devout believers who are saying, I'm willing to stand and I'll even stand alone. Listen, we live in a culture today, teenagers, elementary students, middle school students, you're going to go to school and there's going to be times at UK and at Lafayette High School and Dunbar High School that you have to make a stand for Jesus alone. You'll be standing by yourself. But the great thing about this is God's already revealed the victorious plan. Listen, when you're standing with the Lord, you've, you've already won. The victory's yours. And Deborah understood this. Deborah is an incredible leader. She knew God has showed me the plan. Let's do it. Even if I have to go with this wimpy guy, we're going to win because God's on her side. Look what happens here. Verse 11. Now, this is where it gets confusing the story. Now Heber the Kenite had moved away from the Kenanites, the son of Hobab, Moses' father-in-law, and pitched his tent beside the oak tree of Zananim, which was near Kadesh. Now that whole verse, think of what on earth does that mean? That just introduced the person, the man, who's going to have a wife, who's going to get all the victory. We're going to come back to that verse. These people were just introduced. That area, Kadesh, that's where the the change is going to happen where Sisera is going to die and Israel is going to win. But what's happened is Moses' son-in-law has moved to this community and he's married to a woman who's going to, who named Jael who's going to actually get all the, the victory of this battle. It was reported to Sisera. Sisera is the bad guy, if you remember, that Barak, son of Abinam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. Sisera, son, Sisera summoned all his 900 iron chariots and all the troops who were there with them from Harashoth of the nations to the Wadi Gashan. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has handed Sisera over to you. Hasn't the Lord gone before you? So Barak came down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. So this is the army, just like God said. It's coming together. The Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots, charioteers and all the army into a panic before Barak's assault. Sisera left his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harishoth of the nations. And the whole army of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a single man was left, but Sisera hasn't dodged yet. That's their leader. Meanwhile, Sisera had fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Habor. That's that person we were introduced to in verse 11. The wife of Haber 
of the Canaanite, because there was peace between King Jabin of Hazor and the family of Heber the Canaanite. Jael went out to greet Sisera and said to him, this woman here in verse 18, Jael, she's a crafty lady. You think she's a good, you, you think she's a friend, but she has ulterior plans. She's, God has raised up this woman to free the Israelites. Remember the prophecy from earlier verse. Deborah said, Barak, I'll go with you, but you are not going to get the victory. Another woman's going to be it, and she's the woman. This is what's about to happen. Do you follow on your Bible? Verse 18. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come in, my lord, come in with me. Don't be afraid. So he went to her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. He said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I'm thirsty. So she opened up a container of milk, gave it to him to drink, and covered him again. Then he said to her, Stand at the entrance to the tent. If a man comes and asks you, Is there a man here? Say no. You know people are bad when they're asking you to lie right there. So Sistra is saying, You know, you need to go lie for me. Just stand at the tent. If anybody comes here, just, just lie. While he was sleeping from exhaustion, after he drank his milk, Herber's wife, Jell, took a tent peg, grabbed a hammer, and went silently to Sisera. She hammered the peg into his temple and drove it into the ground, and he died. When Barak arrived in pursuit of Sisera, Jell went out to greet him and said to him, Come in, and I'll show you the man you're looking for. So he went in with her, and there was Sisera lying dead with a tent peg through his temple. This is assassination here. That day God subdued King Jabin of Canaan before the Israelites. The power of the Israelites continued to increase against King Jabin of Canaan until they destroyed him. If you read on, they went on the next chapter. We won't read it, but chapter 5 is Deborah's song, and they had peace for 20 years. That is how God freed the Israelites. And I think what we see in this story here, and Deborah's song is the next chapter, what we see, what's powerful about this, as there was a problem that started, and the problem here was God. The people had become wicked. They had turned to uh, their evil ways. They were worshiping the idols of the Canaanites. We talked about this last Sunday. They were living in a, in a um, sinful culture. They were marrying Canaanite women, and it was creeping into their life for the Jewish men and women. And God took this sin seriously, just like He takes it in our life seriously. He would not allow it to continue. So he, he raised up this woman named Deborah. And what's great about Deborah, what we see all throughout here, she was a woman of character. Deborah was not a strong mil military leader. Deborah was someone that had wisdom. And not only that, she had character. She was someone that had a backbone. She was willing to stand alone. She did what, the, what God told her to do. She was, the Bible describes her, if you look here at verse 4, it describes her as a prophetess. I have a little slide up here on the screen of the other prophetesses that we have. Um, there weren't very many prophetesses in the Bible, but look, look who she ranks up here. This is Miriam, the sister of Moses. Uh, obviously Deborah here, she's the only female a judge of Israel. We have Huldah. She's a woman who spoke for God in the time of Josiah there in 2 Kings. We have Anna during Jesus' baby dedication. 
Anna came about and, uh, and prayed and rejoiced over seeing baby Jesus. Then in Acts 21, we see the four daughters of Philip. So you look at this, and the whole Bible, of the, uh, of the, when we hear the word prophet, typically we think of men. But there were, in the Bible, there were eight prophecies. Four of them were the daughters of Philip there, and, and Deborah obviously was one of them. So we hear this word prophet, prophetess, prophecy all the time and through we reading out we, when we're reading the Bible. But we don't necessarily understand what always that means. If you, uh, I have another slide here of the four spiritual gift list. <clears throat> prophecy, there's basically there's four lists in the New Testament talking about spiritual gifts. Prophecy, in all four of the lists, it is listed in every single one of them. Do you know prophecy is listed the most of all spiritual gifts? Here, Romans 12, 6, prophecy is mentioned. 1 Corinthians 12, 10, and then again in verse 28, prophecy, it mentions the prophets. And also in Ephesians 4, 11, it says the prophets. So we see Deborah is a prophet. She is someone that God has raised up to speak on behalf of God. What is, what is a prophet? What is prophecy? A prophet? Prophecy means to bring forth. It means you're speaking on behalf of God. When you and I go amongst people and we read Scripture and we quote the Bible to them, you are doing prophecy. When you come to church... This should be the center of worship. It should be the center of all the songs we sing. This is prophecy. You're proclaiming what God has said. Your life should be one that is surrounded by prophecy. I think there's a fear. When we hear the word prophet or prophecy, we think of something new. Listen, the Bible's closed. The 66 books of the Bible, the canon, God sealed the canon. Prophecy is revealed in Scripture. When we are reading our Bibles and we're telling other people what the Bible says, we are proclaiming prophecy. This past week, we had 10 people from our church go to Jenkins, Kentucky. Jenkins, Kentucky is in Letcher County. It takes like four and a half, it takes about four hours to get down there. It's in the middle of nowhere. You go down there, and uh, you go down Mountain Parkway, you hop on Highway 15, you just keep on going. You're like an hour, hour and a half from Walmart. Can you all imagine that, living that far? I mean, there's just, you just don't have a lot of options when you're down there. And even the Walmart you go to, it's not even a super center. It's just an old-timey Walmart that they have out there. And you're out there, and great folks we spoke to. People just have pure hearts. And um, our church had lots of food and water. And we made 48 food bags, and we went out in the community, went into uh, just the hollers uh, out, in the, um, out in the community there, and went into uh, government housing, just folks were just struggling, and we, we ministered to them. They, they were very appreciative of the water, especially, because their water supply. They have a, a football team called the Fleming Neon Middle School football team, and their water school is so, con- they, like they, they're practicing right now, and we gave their team uh, 1,300 bottles of water. And the reason why is because they have a water advisory that they can't drink it unless they boil it. Well, if you're out in the middle of a football field, who's going to boil water out? I mean, that's just, they won't cold bottle water. Well, the, the school doesn't have the money to buy it. So you see the predicament they're in. So they're dying for bottled water out there. They were excited to receive that. So um, we, we gave all that to local schools as well as we, we had about 100 cases of water we took down there to, 
a blessing we would be the folks, but we would go there and we would talk to folks. We'd tell them we were from this ministry and we, um, we're with the church and we just wanted to be a blessing to them. Do you know every person we spoke to? Every single one professed to be a Christian. Do you know how many actually went to church? Zero. None of them. They all had good intentions. They all claimed to love the Lord. A lot of them you know, said they were, one lady said she was praying for food that, that morning. But there was a, there's a cultural Christianity all around that community where the folks identify being a believer, but none of them, we asked several if they read their Bible. None of them actually read their Bible. None of them are actually involved in a church, but it's just it's who they are. It's who they grew up. We went to the pool and did a magic show. And we were talking, I was talking to the pool manager, and she was sharing that when she was a child, she grew up and going to Sunday school and VBS, and now she's probably 30 years old, and she has children, and she says, you know, I need to get my children in church. She even acknowledges it, but she doesn't do anything about it. But they all identify as Christians. That is what we call cultural Christianity. That is not saving faith Christianity. You're not saved by going to church. You're saved by knowing Jesus. You go to church because you know Jesus. People who come to church, who come and worship in God's house, do this because the Lord commands us to do it. Jesus went to the temple. Jesus' mom and dad brought him to the temple. In fact, one of those prophets there was Anna, who was a prophetess when he was a child. You have a desire to come to church. And when you go to church, do you know what you hear? You hear the prophecy, the word, thus saith the Lord, preached and proclaimed to you. Listen, people who love the Lord, people who love and have been saved by the blood of Jesus, love to hear prophecy. Prophecy is this book. If you do not love your Bible... If you do not care whatsoever what the Scriptures say, if you do not apply it into your life, you are not saved, my friend. You do not know Jesus. So what happens is we go about all these people, and they all claim they're saved. None of them, I mean, we're talking people who haven't been in church in decades. They haven't picked up their Bible, and they couldn't know where they lost it. They, I mean, it's just, it's sad. That is a lost area. In fact, we were talking to the missionaries we were working with in the most prominent church there in that little town, once probably was larger than this church, it runs 15. That's sad. And the pastor doesn't even live in there. He has to drive two hours away to come. It's sad. This is our state. That whole region of Kentucky, church, it's suffering. The need's enormous over there. And there's this spirit of well, you know, back in the good old days, we used to go to church. We used to go to Sunday school. We used to go to VBS. But those days are long gone. Now the jobs have dried up. The coal industry moved out. There's nothing to do around here but drugs and alcohol. And that is literally what's moved in. That is a whole entire region of the state of Kentucky. You go anywhere east of I-75, you're right there. So when we talk about prophecy and we talk about missions when we discuss about the lostness of the world you don't have to travel far there is a cultural christianity that's prevalent throughout our state 
these folks don't know the Lord. They have no passion for, for, the, for the gospel. There's a whole generation growing up and that they, they don't know the Bible story. They have no idea who Deborah is or the book of Judges. Deborah was a woman God called and He raised her up and she was obedient to the Lord because of her character. She was willing to stand alone. Even when other people couldn't stand with her, Barak, he wanted help. She says, I'll do it if that's what it takes. We need God. Just as the Bible talks about the word prophecy to bring forth, church, he needs God. God needs to bring you forth. You need to be say, God, how can I be a part of being a prophet to other people? All prophecy is, when you go wherever and you tell someone about the Lord, you are doing the work of a prophet. You're proclaiming God's word to them. You know, one of the things, last thing we see here, Deborah here, she had a confidence in the Lord. I have it up here on the screen. She had a confidence in the Lord that Barak didn't have. I think one of the reasons why Christians and even churches, even whole entire communities, they have forgotten who our God is. Deborah knew if God spoke to her and says, you're going to win the battle, you're going to defeat these Canaanites, and you're going to get your land back, victory is in the Lord. We, have, we just literally, this woman trusted the Lord when Barak couldn't. He didn't trust the Lord, he trusted Deborah. And there's a difference. We're in the call, all of us, saying, God, do I trust that you are going to bless my life, bless my words, bless the mission we do? This next school year, have you entrusted your children, your college students to the Lord? Have you prayed over your grandchildren and says, hey, you're going to go off to school and there's going to be drugs all around. There's going to be sin and temptation all around at public schools, even private schools, wherever you go. You go anywhere, you just go down the street and find it. Have you in, that's the confidence that you're giving your children, your grandchildren, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren to the Lord. That they will go off to school and that they won't just try to make it through, that they'll be a great witness to their friends. This week, parents, grandparents, you need to pray over your children. That's what it means to have a confidence in the Lord. Deborah had that. She knew if God promised a victory, we're going to win. Christians today are, I want to, it is, it is depressing. Their church is Christians. Eastern Kentucky, it's sad when you talk to the, there, there's no money, no people that they claim. Everybody's left. They're closing church left and right. Things are abandoned buildings. And there's this black cloud that can hang over folks. But the great thing is, we live in a time where God's calling new Deborahs all around. He's raising up judges. He's looking for people that trust the Lord. Number two, Deborah here, she was consistent. She didn't take the summer off. She didn't take a break from God. She was someone who judged Israel under a palm tree. And the reason she had to judge her on a palm tree is because they were in slavery and they lost all their buildings. So he said, oh, if we have to worship under the palm tree, if this is the, our meeting place, let's do it. You work with what you have. 
And all they had at that time, because they were in slavery under the Canaanites, under King Jabin and Sisera, they had the palm tree. So that's where they would go. And she was, a, she was a consistent judge, even in tough times. Listen, during tough times, that's when you're tested to see what you're made of. That's when God's going to say, okay, we're going to see, okay, you're going through this challenge in life, we're going to see if you stay faithful and true to the Lord. Probably a lot of those folks out in eastern Kentucky, they might have dropped out of church when the coal dried up, when they lost their jobs, and say, God, what happened? And it's, it, the consistency and the confidence vanishes as well last thing we're going to see here what did deborah do deborah celebrated god's victory we don't have time to read it but judges chapter 5 talks about the greatness of god and what he did deborah wasn't the military leader in fact a lady named jabin who came out of nowhere and drove a tent peg through sisera's temple in his head god raised her up to defeat the canaanite army and she sang and gave victory. She celebrated with the Lord. When we have baptism, we celebrate that. When we send out mission teams, we celebrate the advance of the gospel. That's a good thing. We, we celebrate our Sunday school teachers. We celebrate our interns that we have here at our church working with the children. That celebration, is, it's all because of the Lord. He's a great God, and we give thanks for what He's done. This morning, some of us, as I was preparing this message, I think what spoke to me is, I think a lot of us, if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us are like Barak. When God tells us to do something, do you know what we do? Sherry wants to do something, says, so Sherry, I'll do it if you do it. I'll go if you go. I'll join the church if you join. I'll go to Sunday school if you go. I'll make this promise and do the, and it is. We want to do things as long as we have someone else to lean on. And God is speaking through Deborah. Barak, no, he did not share the victory. Deborah wanted this man to go alone. God had raised this man up to go alone, but he could not go. I want you to ask yourself, are you a Deborah? Deborah was someone that had great character and trust in the Lord. And she leaned completely on the Lord's plan. This is a new school year coming up. It's kind of a new beginning coming up this week. And you need to be able to say, God, am I completely leaning on you alone? God, is it all about you? Or am I allowing other people in my life, in my family, in my friends, to really determine my spiritual, my spiritual, my spiritual walk? And you know what you'll be able to say? Say, I want to be a Deborah. I'm willing to go and stand alone even if I'm the only one standing. God, I pray for the folks this morning. I pray you raise up a church of Deborahs, of ladies and men of great character. God, who is willing to go for you and not having to rely upon Barak's of this world. Lord, you're calling people out to be prophets and prophetesses. Lord, we are to proclaim Your Word. Lord, the needs are all around us. All around our state. All, all awaiting a new school year. Lord, raise up an army of folks just like Deborah who have that total confidence in You. An unwavering faith. Not this wishy-washiness. 
God, I pray this morning, if there's someone here that needs to make a decision to get saved, Lord, they'll quit waiting for other people, and Lord, they'll respond to you. Or a baptism, or join our church. Whatever decision, Lord, you're looking for bold people. Lord, we pray during this invitation, if there's anyone here that needs to make their decision public, you call us publicly. Lord, we pray we won't allow this opportunity to pass. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to have our invitation. David Dell is going to lead us in our song. We always close with this. I'm going to invite everyone to stand. I'll be waiting down front. This is your time to respond to the gospel. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yield it and seal. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Search me and try me. Master today, whiter than snow, Lord, wash me just now, as in thy presence humbly I bow. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way, wounded and weary. everybody if you are a Sunday school teacher you are invited as well as your family we have a luncheon for everyone so it starts here in a couple minutes so it's downstairs below below us in the fellowship hall so certainly want to come and participate in that also tonight we have evening worship so we're in Luke chapter 10 so I invite you to church we have a youth group as well as children's ministry uh, for your family so that, that's tonight at um, at six o'clock I also want to remind you, this men, this coming Saturday, 8 o'clock, we have our August men's prayer breakfast. So all the men, this coming Saturday, 8 o'clock, we have a free breakfast for all the men. A great way to connect and, uh, and get to know folks. I'm going to ask David. He'll close this with our song. All right, we're going to sing together, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, as we close. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen. Come back tonight.